Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So let's jump into this. This is a good nugget. If you can keep up with me and write it down, this is what it says. What really dictates the course of your life and the productivity of your life will be directly attached to your knowledge of the Bible and your obedience to the Bible. So what really dictates the course of your life and the productivity of your life will be directly attached to your knowledge of the Bible and your obedience to the Bible. So what I want to do today is give you seven practical things that will guarantee your life to move forward in the year of 2024. How many of you could use that? We could all use that. The book of Psalms says God wants us to flourish. God wants us as his people to flourish. People have asked me, Pastor Jay, is it biblical to set New Year's resolutions? Absolutely, and and write this down. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every single time. If you want to call it resolutions, if you want to call it targets, if you want to call it goals, whatever you want to call it, it is absolutely biblical to set goals, to have targets, resolutions for a new year. I am all for that, and I believe the Bible is all for that. The reason people don't grow spiritually is they haven't been taught or they haven't been given specific markers or detailed tasks to target, uh, goals to set. And so today, that's what I want to do as we begin this new year. I want to give you some things to aim for. So Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll start reading in verse 21. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, and this is some really good stuff you ought to highlight, to put off. Everybody say to put off. Now watch this. To put off your old self. Everybody say, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's one of the reasons why we fast and pray, because prayer and fasting, and and fasting uh, particularly, when you fast, that's exactly what it does, is it, um, it pushes down the appetites of the world and the appetites of your flesh. And in Ephesians 4, it says deceitful desires. So we're all human. We cannot help that we're human. And we were born into sin. And so we have these human desires. Verse 23, to be made new. Everybody say made new. In the attitude of your minds. So what that's saying is the battleground where you're going to do this battle is right here in your mind. That's where the battlefield is. It is in your mind. And we'll close with verse 24. And to put on the new self. Everybody say, put on 
the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at that. Created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Let's get started. Seven things. Number one, these are seven things that are going to help you move forward in the year of 2024. Number one, be a better Bible student. Be a better Bible student. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023, then as a Christian, as a believer, I encourage you to be a better Bible student. Biblical scholarship is important. It is very vital to your Christian life. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't think I'm on a limb at all. And I'm going to say it is almost impossible to live this Christian life and be effective at it if you are not a biblical Bible student. Amen. You have to spend time in the Word of God. If you're a follower of Christ, you must be a serious student of this book. The Bible is God's Word, it's, his, it's God's will, it's God's way, and it is impossible to move forward and flourish in your faith without a commitment to read the Bible. Some of you have never read the Bible in its entirety. And I want to challenge you and encourage you as your pastor this year to read the Bible in its entirety. And you can start right now. I know we're seven days in, but it's not too late. You can start right now. You can go to your phone. Don't do it now. <laughs> but you can go to your phone, and there are all kinds of apps that you can download. There's what is called a version app. There's the Blue Letter Edition app. There are all kinds of apps that you can download on your smartphone and that have different uh, devotions every single day that you can read, and one of them is called the One-Year Bible. There is also such a thing as the One-Year Bible. So if after service, if you want to get online, Amazon, or somewhere, you can order what is called the One-Year Bible. I call it a spiritual multivitamin that you can take every single day. Because in the one-year Bible, every day, it's going to give you a passage in the New Testament, it's going to give you a passage in the Old Testament, and it's going to give you a Proverbs and a Psalm. So every day, you're getting a multivitamin, you're getting a diet of the Word of God. If you will stay with that and you will discipline yourself by this time next year, on January the 7th of 2025, you will have read the Bible in its entirety. And what I encourage you to do is do that every single year. Read the Bible. The, reading the Bible is very, very important. One of the things that I do, additionally, besides the one-year Bible, I do the one-year Bible every, every year, but additional to that, what I do, and you don't have to do it, I'm just telling you what I do, is that I will just dive completely in a book. I mean, just say it's Ephesians. I will dive completely in Ephesians, and I will read that and read that and read that, and then when I get done, I read it again, and I get done, I read it again, because I want to be familiar with that whole text. I want to have the full context of what Ephesians is talking about. Does that make sense? So I'm doing the daily, and then I'm adding to that different things that I do personally, so I encourage you to do that. 
I realize that everyone is not a reader, but I believe it's like riding a bicycle or anything else that you do. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And I would also add to that with some of these apps and different avenues that you can use on your device, some of them will even read it for you. So you can get the Bible on audio. So what I'm trying to say is you can be a lazy Christian. <laughs> so, but I do encourage you to read it for yourself. It is very, very important. I know of eight-year-olds that have read through the Bible in a year. If an eight-year-old can do it, an adult can do it. Amen. I would also add to that, don't overuse social media for your Bible study. Don't overuse social media for your Bible study. If you follow uh, Bible teachers, make sure you're following Bible teachers that can be trusted. People, as the Bible says, who properly divide the word of truth. So you want to follow good, solid, biblical people. Too many Christians listen to too many teachers. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 talks about that. It says you have many teachers, but you don't have enough fathers. And what that's meaning is you need spiritual fathers. You need people that can help you rightfully divide the word of truth, the Bible. What I would suggest is select a holy handful of trusted people. If you're going to be online and you're going to listen to different ministers of the gospel, make sure you're listening to trusted people. Okay, And if you need help with that, I'll be happy to help you with that. Uh, if I don't know them, I would be happy to, to, to ask questions and, and resources and things like that that I have to make sure that you're listening to a trusted voice. Because right now on the internet, especially during COVID, now the rise of churches online is like crazy, which is good. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But I would say the negative side to that is, is that you can get inundated with such a hodgepodge of different beliefs that you don't know. And if, especially if you're a young believer and you're new in the faith, you can get confused real quick. Okay, because you're hearing so many different voices, and this guy says it like this, and this guy says it like this. And so it's very, very important that you get good people, doctrinal, sound people that you listen to. Okay, so you, you don't need a lot of them, you just need a handful of them. And one of them needs to be your pastor. One of them needs to be your pastor. Now, I'm not the only voice that you should listen to. I don't want to be the only voice that you listen to. You need other people that you can listen to, but you don't need a lot of them. Okay? You need a select few of them, good people, where their beliefs align with your beliefs. Okay? Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were showing me a new book they got for Christmas, and it was by a certain author. In fact, he was a, he was a pastor. And I know of him. I don't know him, but I know of him. And, um, and anyway, they were showing me the book, and, and they were excited about the book. And I said, do you like to follow this person? And they said, yes. And they said, we love his stuff. And I'm like, that's great. I love, I mean, that's great. I think the guy's great, and what he does is great, and all of that kind of stuff. But I do want to warn you, he's a Calvinist. 
And they were like, well, what is a Calvinist? Well, the Calvinist, a Calvinist believes in predestination. So they believe that you're predestined to be saved. So in other words, it's, it's not a choice. So only certain people are saved. And I said, so you need to be very careful as you read his book. It's fine to read his book. I'm sure there's great principles in this book. And maybe this book, he doesn't shed light on his beliefs as far as Calvinism goes. But you need to be very careful when you're reading other people's stuff because you will buy into it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more you hear that, the more you read that, the more you see that, the more you'll start being inundated with that and you'll start believing that, that belief system. And you don't even know it. And it, and it happens very subtle, very, you know, it's a, the enemy's very deceptive and he can put a little truth with a lot of lie and before long, you have grabbed a hold of that belief and you start believing it. So it's very important you're following good, sound, doctrinal people. Does that make sense? So next weekend, if the Lord continues to lead me this way, this is a crazy thing to preach on. And I, I even questioned the Lord all day yesterday. I was like, Lord, why in the world are you wanting me to preach on this topic? But here's what I'm probably going to preach on next weekend. How to find a good church. How to find a good church. Because I see so many people that, that move from here and take other jobs and do different things, and they're always calling me, I, we can't find a church. And so I'm always helping people find a church. And even here locally, I help people find churches. And I'll say to you today, if you're a visitor, I don't think we're the only church. I don't think we're the best church. I think what we do, we do well at. But find a church. If this is not the church, God has a church home for you. And every church is not for every person, and that's okay. That's okay. We don't have to leave mad. It, you, you can do this with integrity. You know, you don't have to leave mad and bitter and have unforgiveness and spread rumors about us and tell things about us and say things about us. You don't have to do any of that. It's just this didn't work for you. This was not a fit for you. Okay, but you don't have to go out and spread rumors. I, I think people think when they leave church, they have to be mad. And it's like you don't have to be. It can be a very beautiful thing if it's done correctly. It doesn't have to be ugly, guys. And so every church is not for everybody. But when you find that church, you're going to know it. You're going to know it, and the Lord's, the Lord's going to prompt you, and you're going to know it. And a lot of times you know it from the first time you sit down in that church. Not always. That's why I said a moment ago, sometimes you need to go two or three times to kind of get a feel for that before you make your decision because you want to allow the Holy Spirit to have time to speak to you. Does that make sense to anybody? So make sure that that's happening, okay, before you make a good decision on what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. In that sermon next weekend, though, I'm going to give you kind of just the bullet points of our doctrinal beliefs so you kind of know where we're at. And so when you listen to people, you want to make sure you're listening to people who align with those belief systems, especially if this is the church you attend and I'm your pastor. Does that make sense? So if I'm your pastor and I'm going to be teaching you and preaching, you want to make sure your beliefs, everything is aligning. And so what you're getting is good doctrinal teaching that aligns with your belief system, if that makes sense. I hope that, does that help anybody? Okay. Now, I want to say this, um, and this is in no way, absolutely, positively, no way am I self-promoting. I, I, guys, I, I, 
you know, again, I'm very loose with this. If, if you want to go to church here, great. If, if you don't, if this is not where the Lord has you, then please find that. But I want to say this, and this is not self-promoting. I want to say this because, I mean, logic says I can't live forever. And with that being said, now I want to say this, and I don't want anybody to think, Pastor Jay is thinking about leaving. I am not thinking about leaving at all, okay? But I know I'm not going to be your pastor forever. Okay? People come, people go, all kinds of things happen. And so I want to prepare you, like if I'm going to be your pastor, even if it's just for today, I want to help you, okay? And if you're going to listen to trusted voices, whether it's me or another pastor, your pastor needs to be one of those voices that you listen to. And guys, I love you. Please hear my heart. And by the way, when I fast, I cry a lot. So get ready for the waterworks the next few weeks. And I feel it coming on right now. Please hear me. I am not self-promoting. But if my words don't mean anything to you, if my words don't carry weight, and guys, I promise you one thing about this guy is that I will always seek God for you. And if I'm wrong, if I give you wrong advice, I will always circle around and say, I'm sorry, I gave you bad advice. Okay? I know that about myself. I know, the, I know that about the Holy Spirit in me. Jason's not that good, but he's that good. And I know that I want to follow his voice. So if my words don't have meaning to you and they don't carry weight, not that I'm God, I'm not God, I'm not trying to be God. I'm an under-shepherd of the shepherd. Okay? But as a shepherd, here's what happens. God puts a word for you in my mouth. Because sometimes I leave here and go, I have no idea why I said that. There are times that I'm preparing for a message and I'm like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to preach that. I don't want to do that. But I know in my knower that God is telling me to do that. And then, I mean, every single time someone will come up to me and say, do you have cameras in our home? And I'm like, no, I don't. And I don't want to have cameras in your home. But what is that? That's the Holy Spirit. He's going to put a word in my mouth for you. That's, what, that's how this works. I didn't ask for it to work this way. And I'll be honest with you. I never asked to do this. I never asked to be a pastor. It was the last thing I wanted to do. I never wanted to be. And I'll be honest with you. I still don't want to do it. You can ask my wife. I mean, she has to get me out of bed some Sunday mornings. And I'm like, I don't want to go. She said, you have to go. You're the preacher. But God will put a word in my mouth for you. And, and I mean this with all sincerity, with, with all the sincerity in my body. And that is, if I'm not that voice for you, it's okay. It's okay. It really is okay. I am comfortable enough in my own skin that it's okay. If I'm not your pastor and I don't, my words do not carry that kind of weight with you, it's okay. All right? But I encourage you to find that guy or that gal. Okay? Find that person who you will listen to and their words carry weight with you. And when that person speaks into your life, and I'm going to use a word, and I don't, I don't mean the word like you think it 
means, and everybody's weirded out in our culture about this stuff, but you find a voice, you find that pastor, and you submit. Because when you do, there's a blessing that will come on your life like you will not believe. Because God will use that man or woman to speak into your life. He will use that man. Now, you listen to me because I may not always be your pastor. And you listen to me. This is a lesson that the body of Christ needs to learn. God will put a word in that man or woman's mouth, or both, husband and wife, for you. And so you find you a pastor, a trusted voice in your life, and you let that pastor pastor you, and you listen. I am 100% convinced, if not more, the reason I am standing in this position today is because I submitted myself to the man and woman of God. I, I believed in them. I supported them. If they said jump, I said how high. I did whatever it took Whatever they needed, I wanted to serve them, and I wanted to serve the church. And because of that, God promoted me, and I didn't even ask for it. Are y'all with me today? Find you someone. Now, again, you need trusted voices, and you don't need, you don't need a bunch of them. You need a handful of them, but you need some good, solid people that you follow and I don't need to be the only one. And that's why I have other voices come preach to you, because I don't want to be the only voice. Does that make sense? Okay. Whoever that is, social media is filled with bad doctrine, poor doctrine, crazy doctrine, flat-out heresy, and many Christians don't know it, and they are deceived by the hours they spend on this device. And even so-called Christians feeding them doctrine and they're not aware of what's happening. When I say a few, I mean a few and listen to them on a regular basis. The next thing I would add to that is take notes. Take notes. Have a Bible, a highlighter, something that you can take notes with. And I would also add one more to that. When you come to church, you need a Bible case. You need a Bible bag. You need something with all of the supplies that you need to take notes because the Lord is going to speak to you, and when he speaks to you, you want to write it down. He may speak something to you that I'm not even preaching about. Or I will say something, and then later you'll go back and go, what did he say? I wish I'd have written that down. I would also add to that, even in your home, in your daily reading, you need those same tools there. Uh, in our home, uh, we, we've always had what is called a prayer chair. We have a place in our home, and now I actually have a, a, a desk. I have, actually have an office now, which is where I do most of my sermon prep at home. I don't do it here. I do it at home. And I have a desk there. That desk is furnished with every single thing I need because if I get up, I'll get distracted. If I have to walk downstairs or, or go somewhere to grab a pen or do something or run out of paper, I'm distracted. And I was, I, was on, I was in a rhythm, and God was speaking to me, and I broke the rhythm. Does that make sense? God respects people who systematically commit themselves to learning His Word. Let me say that again. God respects people who systematically commit themselves to learning his word. Number two, be more prayerful. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023, 
you need to be more prayerful. Jesus was a man of consistent prayer. Everybody say consistent prayer. Write this reference down, Luke chapter 5. Read that when you get home. Jesus had a disciplined habit of talking to God about everything. God hears and responds to our prayers. When you start praying, things will start happening, and you will know it is a result of your prayers, and most of the time it cannot be explained. Write this reference down, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. When you pray, this is what happens. When you pray, it unburdens your heart. It unburdens your heart. Now, I want to say something, and I want to make sure that I'm very clear. I am all about counseling. I believe in counseling. I, my life is a product of counseling. If I had not had good counselors in my life, I don't know that I would be where I'm at today. So I'm a thousand percent for counseling. But I will say a lot of counseling would be prevented if you would just pray. Because a lot of counseling is unburden your heart, unburdening your heart. And you're, you, you ever heard this? You know, after I got it out, I felt better. Well, who you need to be getting that out to is the Lord. You need to be sharing with the Lord what's on your heart. And if you would pray, you would unburden your heart and you just spill it out to the Lord. And Lord, here's how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. This is what I'm dealing with. And if you would unburden that and you would give it to God, you would feel so much better. And prayer is the avenue for that. Can I hear an amen? amen. God cares about every detail of your life. Even the, the most insignificant thing God cares about. God cares about it. I heard a story the other day. This is off the script here, but I want to share it. I heard a story the other day of a lady. I know, uh, I know of this person or, you know, through other people. And uh, she always wanted to go to Maine. And when she went up north to Maine, she wanted to see a moose. And her brother-in-law... And she said, this, well, let me go back. The brother-in-law said, the chances of us seeing a moose are slim to none. She said, mm -mm, no, the chances of us seeing a moose are very good. And he said, why? She said, because I prayed about it. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I, all my life, this is on her bucket list. I want to go to Maine and I want to see a moose. And the man, this man said, I kid you not, we were sitting by a window eating breakfast and I kid you not, as soon as she said that, a moose walked by the window. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is God cares about the littlest details of your life. He cares about it. And when you say it to God, God hears you when you pray. Write this reference down. Psalm 37, verse 23. Psalm 37, verse 23. Here's the third thing. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023, here's the third thing. Be faithful to a Bible-believing church. Be faithful to a Bible-believing church with a godly pastor. Commit yourself to a Bible-believing church with a godly pastor. To neglect church attendance is to openly be in rebellion to the commandment of God. You say, where's that, pastor? Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
Another place is Hebrews 10, 23. It says, do not, do not, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. And even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And if you don't know the day of the Lord is approaching, if you can't tell that the second coming of Jesus is right at the door, I don't know what to tell you. Because Jesus is coming very, very soon. Can I hear an amen? And the Bible says the closer we get to the coming of Christ, we should actually go to church more. And so that's what we're doing is we're giving you opportunities this morning, tonight. We're giving you opportunities to be in the house of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? We need the edification and the fellowship of the church. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The book of Romans says we are not to argue about what day of the week we go to church. So for America and this Western civilization and culture, we attend church on Sunday. So Sunday is our holy day. Regularly assembling together. Listen to this study from Harvard University. Notice what I said, Harvard University. So this is a secular scientific study. Secular, not from the church, a secular scientific study. Death from suicide, depression, alcohol, and drugs are 68% lower for those who attend a church service once a week. And the numbers go up the more you attend church during a week. Your faithfulness to church also sets an example to your children and to your unsaved loved ones. By the way, next weekend, actually, let me go back and say this. Tonight at Cornerstone at 615, I'm going to preach a message on expectation. And we're going to do the continuation of this. And we're going to kind of build you up and, and get you pumped up. But at the end of the service tonight, we're going to have a big whiteboard at the altar and I'm going to encourage everybody to come to the front and write down every person they can think of that is not saved. And we're going to believe God in 2024 that your unsaved loved ones and friends and family or whoever are going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? So we're believing God for that. We're believing the Lord for that. So tonight we're going to do that. We're going to be believing God. And we're going to start praying and we're going to start a journey of believing God for our unsaved loved ones. We're going to believe that they're going to get saved in the year of 2024. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so we need to do that. And, and kind of how we're going to end this, the first Sunday of February, my pastor and one of our elders is going to be here at One Community to preach for us. And he's going to preach again that night at Cornerstone. Brother Larry Andrews is going to be here to preach for us. Okay. Now, that Sunday night, I'm going to have him in a place of honor because I honor him. I am going to have him pray for every name on that board. And we're going to believe God that, that, that your loved one's going to be saved. So when we go to church, it sets an example not only to our friends and our loved ones, but it sets an example to the community. When, when people drive by this church, and by the way, Cross Street and Southwest Avenue is one of the busiest thoroughfares in our city. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to go stand on that corner for about two hours. I'm amazed at how many people drive up and down this road. It is amazing. It is, it is definitely in the top whatever of most traveled places in our community. And what I'm saying is when people drive by and they see you get out of your car and they see you and your family walk into this building, hopefully happy, 
hope there's no husbands and wives fighting. But they see you happy and they see you as a family walking into this church. It is a witness. It is a witness for every person who's driving by goofing off this morning and not in church. And they look over here and they see this parking lot full and they go, you know what? I need to get back in church. I need to be in the house of the Lord. And it doesn't have to be here. Maybe it's a reminder for them to go to their home church. Does that make sense? There's just something about watching God's people come into his house. There's just something about it. And by the way, this morning, I don't know if you saw it or not, but we actually had a drone flying over our church as you walked into the building today. There was a drone flying out there because we're getting footage, different shots and different things that we're wanting to use that for. But there's nothing like it when God's people come to a full house. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap. Number four, be a better steward of money. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023, be a better steward of money. The Bible teaches us that we should, we should know how to handle money. In fact, you can't get by with this, and I know people would love to rip it out of the Bible, but it's all in there. Jesus talks about being a steward over and over and over and over again. Amen? And he says, if you can't handle temporary money, how are you going to be able to handle eternal matters? He said, if you cannot manage temporary matters, how are you going to be trusted to manage eternal matters? It's the number one reason in our country, in our country, and has been for many years, it is the number one reason for divorce is money. Money. Practical ways. Let me give, them, give you some. Number one, set financial goals. Ask the Lord to help you create a budget. There's all kinds of things you can do, and we have people in the church here that will help you if you're struggling in this area. They can help you get a budget and help you learn to be disciplined and form good habits. Here's one of many. It doesn't have to be the only one, but it's a great suggestion. Live on 70% of your income. Live on 70% of your income. It is proven statistically that people live on 106% of their income. You say, how? Credit. Here's my suggestion, 10% to the church, 10% to savings, and 10% to emergency funds are to be devoted to paying off debt. Amen. Get a side hustle if you have to. Get a side hustle if you have to. Only if that side hustle doesn't keep you from God's house and from your daily discipline habits of serving God. I will say this, I've had a side hustle my whole adult life. Still do to this day. I always do things. I'm always trying to better myself and to better my family. Always. So my sole income is not this, just this church. I'm fortunate. A lot of pastors don't have that. I do. I have other avenues and other things that I do, investments and different things that I do. And I never look at something, when I buy something, I don't look at it like I need that or I want that. I look at everything I buy, I look at it through the lens of how can I get, sell this, get out of it, and break even or make money. And if I can't do those two things, I don't buy it. And so I'm always looking for avenues and ways to uh, better myself and my family. Wealth is not, and, and this is something we have to learn. This is the image we have. We think wealth is Warren Buffett and Eli, Eli Musk. But what wealth means is surplus. 
surplus. Everybody say surplus. This curse of sin has caused us to have an unquenchable desire for things and more things. I want things, I want more things, and I want it now. When you get right with God, you will become more and more productive. Tithing increases the favor of God on your life. Let me give you some references. Psalm 112, verse 5. And of course, everybody knows Luke 6. It says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Can I hear an amen? Alicia and I gave to our Welcome to the Future campaign. Uh, we, we ended that uh, fall of last year, and we were able to do all the things that we did over here next door on that lot. We tore down the old building and did all of that renovation and stuff to get ready. And now the next step of that is to go inside the chapel and renovate it and do weddings and funerals. That's our goal. But that campaign ended, and when the Lord gave me that idea a couple years ago, he said, I want you, and gave me the name, he said, I want you to call it, well, I was in here, I was actually right there praying, and the Lord said, I want you, because I was, this is what I was praying, I was saying, Lord, how in the world are we going to do that? Like, we don't have the funds for that, we don't, I mean, we got, we got money, but it's for other purposes and things, and, and Lord, we don't have the money to do that. And I didn't have any idea how we were going to do it or if it was even possible, but I knew he was telling me to do it. And I said, God, I don't know how this is going to work. And he said to me, clear as a bell, in my spirit, he said, I want you to do this sermon series, call it Welcome to the Future. And he said, here's how I want you to start. I want you to get on the platform and I want you to tell everybody, you and Alicia will go first. And I said, oh, okay. All right, Lord, well, how much are we going to give? $20? And this is what he spoke to me, as clear as a bell. Now, I don't, I, we're not rich, okay? Not at all. Not at all. But the Lord told me, and this, blew, I mean, it scared me half to death. He said, I want you to give $10,000. You and Alicia give $10,000 and stand on the platform and tell the congregation, you and Alicia will go first and you will give $10,000. I said, okay. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out how to tell Alicia I'm going to look this way. <laughs> How am I going to tell my wife? We don't, we don't have $10,000 to give. I mean, that, that, how are we going to do this? And so she, I remember she was sitting on the back patio one morning reading her Bible, and I thought, well, maybe this is a good time because she's been in with the Lord. So, you know, maybe she's in a good mood. So I sit down and I said, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, remember me telling you we're going to do a Welcome to the Future campaign? She said, yeah. I said, well, there's more to that. She said, okay. I said, well, the Lord told me for us to go first and to get on the platform, which we don't ever talk about what we give. And I'll be honest, Alicia and I try to give 20% of our income every year to the Lord. Minimum, 20% of our income. We do it every year and have done it the whole time we've been married and before. And so I was like, okay, honey. And I know she's a giver, and I didn't think she would struggle with this too much until I told her the amount. And I said, uh, the Lord told me a number. She said, well, I think the Lord told me a number too. And I said, okay, well, you go first. <laughs> and she said, $10,000. And we looked at each other and cried. Now, if that's not confirmation, I don't know what is. And I said, Lord, I don't have $10,000. And so we began to pull it from places, retirement and other places, whatever we needed to do. But we need to give this money 
to this campaign. Guys, we gave that $10,000. We were the first ones to give. We gave $10,000. In six months' time, from that fall, six months later, I had the $10,000 back, and I had $10,000 to go with it. Now, I wish y'all would act a little more happier about my blessing. <laughs> and here's the thing. That $20,000 came from the most unexpected places. It didn't come from our income. It didn't come from any source we had. It came from unexpected income. In fact, I'll tell you this. People were calling us, and it was, it was like mind-boggling. Hey, you overpaid. Hey, you did this. You did that. Here's a check for this amount of money. And we were like, this is crazy. But God says he will give seed to the sower. A few weeks ago, the Lord told us to another time. It wasn't that amount of money, but it was a large amount of money. He said, give so much money to Cornerstone Church. And so we did. But I said, Lord, you have to supply it because I don't have it. But if you put it in my hands, I will give it. And guess what he did? I mean, immediately started putting the resources in my hands. And now we fulfilled that obligation the last Sunday of 2023. We fulfilled the obligation of what the Lord told us to give. I'm telling you, that's how it works. Can I hear an amen? And can we give the Lord a big hand clap? Come on. Write this down. I'm almost done. Giving crucifies selfishness in you. Giving crucifies selfishness in you. When you are generous, you are being like God. It's not only, it not only blesses you, but it blesses your children. It blesses your grandchildren. And I want to tell you, it blesses your children's 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 children. And it's biblical. Long after I'm gone. Luke and his kids will still be being blessed because Alicia and I were tithers. Amen. I'm going to move on. Y'all don't like this point. I think y'all are all independently wealthy or something. Number five, are y'all ready? Number five, be healthy. I didn't say God wanted you to be skinny. I said God wants you to be healthy. Wouldn't it be sad if you died prematurely before fulfilling your kingdom purpose? Third John verse 2, if we could put it up, says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Put up 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, but I, keep under my, I, I, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection Least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What Paul is saying here is it's discipline. Everybody shout out discipline. The Greek word means to beat black and blue. I refuse to let my body, my flesh, bully me. I, that's why I'm fasting. I don't want my flesh to bully me. I don't want my flesh to tell me what I'm going to do. I want my spirit man to tell me what to do. I give my flesh a black eye. I have spiritual stamina. Discipline is connected to productivity. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot not move and eat three big meals a day. If there is an inlet, there has to be an outlet. If there is an inlet, there has to be an outlet. So there has to be moving and exercising to go with that. Here's number six. Y'all didn't like that one as much as you did the other one, I don't think. I don't think y'all 
like any of these points, but it's okay. Number six, if you want 2024 to be better than 2023, be a soul winner. Be a soul winner. It's the Great Commission. It releases favor on your life. It's a command. You, can out, you cannot outgive God and you cannot outwork God. There is a greater cause and it's winning people. It's winning the loss. Pray and make a list of unsaved family members, unsaved co-workers. Make a list and start praying for them in 2024 and you will be amazed at what God does. This is a key. Write it down. Before you talk to them, talk to God. Before you talk to them, talk to God. That is a key to successful soul winning. You can say it like this. Before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. Before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. Number seven, and we'll close. Be ready. Bryce, if you would come to the keyboard, you need to be ready. If you'd come to the keyboard. Everybody say, be ready. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023, be ready. Matthew 24, verse 44, in the King James, reads like this. In an hour that you think not, the Lord, the Son of Man, Jesus, is coming. In an hour that you think not, Jesus is coming. Can I ask you today a question? What if Jesus came in 2024? I think it's a very good possibility. I really do. I'm not predicting that, but I'm saying I think it's a good possibility. Right now, what I'm seeing, I, I, I am seeing things being fulfilled that are pointing toward the tribulation. There are things happening now that is pointing towards the tribulation. Well, before the tribulation can happen, the church has to be raptured. And we're seeing signs of things that are pointing toward the tribulation. What I'm telling you is, Jesus is coming very, very soon, and all the signs are there. And I think in 2024, it is time to live ready to meet Jesus. This is a good nugget. We all have an expiration date. And the question is, will you be in heaven or will you be in hell? Will you be in heaven or will you be in hell? 2 Peter 3, 9 says that none should perish, that all should come to repentance. Years ago in Christian school, I was raised in Christian school. I never went to public school. And I graduated from a Christian school and we had chapel services every, uh, every week. We're constantly going to church services. That's what they were. They called them chapel, but they were church services. And I never will forget, there was a preacher. In fact, he was a pastor in our area here in El Dorado. And he was up preaching one day. He's preaching to us kids, the school kids. And he said something I'll never have forgotten, and I want to tell it to you. Here's what he said. He said, heaven voted for you. Hell voted against you, and you, deci- you cast the deciding vote. Heaven voted for you, hell voted against you, and you cast the deciding vote. So today, I want to ask you in this room, if you would stand to your feet, and I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and be as respectful as you possibly can be, and I want to ask no one exit the room 
we'll, we'll get you out here in just a moment. I'm very aware of the time. But I want us right now in this moment to do business with God. God, what is it that you want to say to us? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to us right this moment? If you're here today or you're watching online and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the first Sunday of a new year would be the perfect time, or whenever you're listening to this, would be the perfect time. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Now is the day. Now is the time. What do I do? Three things. Number one, recognize you're a sinner. We all have sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, repent of your sin. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner and I need to repent. And number three, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those are three easy steps. The book of Acts says there's no other name under heaven which men should be saved but the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. He is the, the Bible. He said in the Bible, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you today need to hear this message over and over again. And I challenge you to do that through the vehicles that we have on audio podcast and YouTube. Listen to this message over and over again. If you want 2024 to be better than 2023 and you want to, and you're serious about improving your life, these are simple steps that will improve how you do life. And God will bless you for it. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.